franchising is the most misunderstood and most overlooked form of entrepreneurship. We're here to educate you and help you find the entrepreneur within. Franchising is not all about the French fries. We find that individuals who are exploring business ownership tend to have a lot of misperceptions and misunderstandings about the franchise industry. So what we want to do is help prospective business owners make confident and educated decisions before moving forward or not moving forward with a business. Welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Welcome to episode 58 of Unpredicted Entrepreneur. I'm Roxanne Rapsky, and my colleague is Sarah Wasco. We created this podcast to bring you information and education about business ownership and all things franchising. Today, we have a very seasoned guest from the franchise arena. His name is Calvin Golden. Welcome, Calvin. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Honored to be here with you, ladies. Thank you for joining us. We have been trying to get Calvin in the <laughs> studio for quite a while now, so we are very, very excited to have you and have you share your wealth of knowledge with our listeners. Okay, fantastic. I'm happy to be here. I'm ready. So let's talk. Let's go way, way back um, and talk about what you were doing, what life was like, and. Um, Early career, just a quick summary on kind of what led you to the path of eventually working for a franchisor and then becoming a franchisee ultimately. So kind of take us back to how that went. Okay. Uh, my franchise career started some 35 years ago. I was a franchise sales director for a very well-known real estate company. And that company required the directors, the salespeople, to travel. So I traveled extensively. And in those days, if you did a good job, you were rewarded with not always more money, but more territory. So one territory turned into two, two states turned into three, three turned into four, et cetera, et cetera. So I was literally a road warrior, like many of us were back then. Yeah. There are some who are listening to this podcast that can identify with that. So what years were that? Sorry to interrupt you. Okay, that was uh, 1988 Okay, through uh, about 1992, 93. Okay, so we didn't really have many cell phones then. Right, right. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope, those were the days when you got off the plane, you ran to the payphone, <laughs> you stood in line, you pulled out your MCI card, and I'm really dating myself. <laughs> yeah. You put out your MCI yep. card and you dial 16, 17 digits just to yes. call call your home office. You ladies remember that, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, I don't feel Unfortunately, so bad. Unfortunately, we do. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to tell you, when I went to the hospital to have our son, my husband had a pager and our uh, code was 911. He knew that it was time to come to the hospital if there were right. no cell phones. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah remember so, the pager days. So, yeah. So you were. We interrupted you. I did. No, Sorry. No, no, no. Road right warrior, ahead. traveling all the time. Absolutely. Had to travel more because your your reward for your success was more, more travel. And then you yeah. had an aha moment, right? Yeah. And the aha moment, uh, like some of you can identify, I was traveling so much. I was just I was just uh, a travel lag. Uh, I woke up one night in a desperate situation. I didn't know where I was located. Mm -hmm. I literally didn't. So I did what any seasoned traveler would do. I reached to the nightstand and pulled out the phone book <laughs> and see what name was on the phone book. Yep. And literally, I was in a state, in a city that I thought I was in yesterday. 
And I knew then it was time for me to uh, turn in my frequent flyer miles. Mm -hmm. So I looked for an opportunity that didn't require, still in franchising. I love franchising. I'm a student of franchising. Still in franchising, I looked for another opportunity, which landed me to um, the Bryce Group. So you got out the newspaper on Sunday. Right. And started right. looking at the ads because that's how you found a job back then. Right, right. Right. That's how we used to do it. And you faxed and your I resume in. Yeah. No, Roxanne, <laughs> we're saying some words. Hey, hey, listen, <laughs> I worked for AT&T and I sold fax machines with thermal paper. If okay. that tells you how old I am. <laughs> so right, don't feel bad right. about well, that. Listen, listen, listen. These, you know, these viewers are saying, God, this must be the AP hour or something. You know? I mean, you know, we're using like facts and Sunday paper. And, and, new, and phone book. We're and using all book. these old yeah, words. Well, Our younger wow. listeners have no idea what we're talking sorry, about. Millennials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. But that's how, I, that's how I landed this next opportunity. I literally had a resume faxed to this company. And they called me, and I responded from uh, the airport terminal. Wow. Literally responded from the payphone. From the payphone. Yeah, flew yeah. into town that Friday, interviewed with them, accepted the job. And the beauty of this job is that now was normal again. So wait, I'm going to stop you there. What was the first question you asked them when they interviewed you? Oh, obviously, is there any, any travel required? And when they said no, I was in. You were in. That was all you needed to know, That was all right? I needed to know. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was in. You know, I wanted to get away from travel as quickly as I as I could. And, um, you know, so many people, and I know you all have experienced this, you know, when you tell all your friends you travel every, every day, they just assume that's such a glamorous, glamorous thing. Yeah. But uh, I'm a witness. When you, are a, when you are a platinum level with everyone, when you are a platinum level with Hilton, with Sheridan, with uh, I even the Holiday Inn were giving me points, wow. you know, back back then. And uh, interesting enough, I was traveling when the Platinum program was introduced with American Airlines. I was one of the first Platinum cards in Dallas. Wow. So, you know, I mean, that sounds glamorous, but what that says is you're spending more time away than you are, than you are at home. And you had young children. And my time. kids were young. My mm -hmm. family was young. You were missing so out on a lot. Mm -hmm. Missing out on a lot, but that's the price we pay for uh, doing what we love. Right. So now you're local. Yes. You got in you're yeah. into franchising, different right. organization. Into franchising, different organization. Things are going going well. I come in the morning, I leave in the leave in the evening. And um, occasionally I'll travel to the actual site to take a look at a potential real estate location, et cetera, but not normally. And things were going well until that company was acquired. That company was acquired. And when the acquisition happened, then the existing management, as always, when new management come in, when the new C-suite come in, the old C-suite goes, goes out. And I find myself working uh, for, for a new leadership and new leadership style. However, I was very close to my previous manager who landed a job out of state. And I received a call one day from him, and he wanted to know if I would be interested in joining his team. Well, obviously, I, uh, you know, just adored this man. I learned a lot from this man. However, that required relocation, which again, travel. And I wasn't really that interested in it, but I just heard him out. So I flew up one day, spent the day with him. The day went real well. And I'm fine. I'm trying to think of a way to uh, get out of making any commitment 
So we got to the point at lunch where we were talking about salary. And the question was, tell me, how much would it take to get you here? And I had one of these godfather moments. You know, I was going to make him an offer that I knew he could refuse. So I took a napkin. I wrote a number on the paper and I slid it to him. He looked at the number quickly and he said, done. I knew immediately right then. I didn't. I, and I, the number was too I, low. The number was too low. It was bad. It was bad. You know, I should have I should have bumped that up by 20, maybe even $30,000. But it was significantly more than what I was currently earning. However, I knew it wasn't done because I said, you know, his name was Tom. I said, Tom, I got to go home and talk to my family about this. This is a big move for me to leave Texas. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't been off the road that long. And now we're going to uproot my family. and We're mm-hmm. going to move to a different state, a state that I have been before and a state that I enjoy. I just enjoy visiting. Right. And I even enjoy more leaving. So, <laughs> so now... We're going to leave the state name unnamed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, Just absolutely. in case anyone's there and listening, we don't <laughs> yeah. want to offend anybody, No, we're Calvin. not going to offend anyone. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I uh, went home, and I just knew I would get the veto vote there because, uh, you know, one thing about my family is we have a real unique dynamic, whereas I seem to be the very optimistic one in our family. My wife is the opposite. <laughs> You know. That's very common. Very yeah, common. Yeah. Yes. Yep. You would yeah. profile in our assessment as the toward as far uh-huh. as your direction sort. Okay. And your wife would profile probably as the away. And I suffer from the same thing. Uh-huh. You do? It's like your wife. Yes. Ah. But they're good because they point out the roadblocks that we don't see that we need to be made aware of. Absolutely. Yeah. So they definitely yeah. serve an important role. So tell us, um, did you end up moving and taking that job or how did you end up where you spent the majority of the remainder of your career? We did. We did. We actually decided to try it. And it took a lot because my wife wanted to go for it. She said, let's try it. It's a lot of money. It's a, it's a new home, real estate. And this state was significantly less expensive than where I live. So she saw some benefit to her. Uh, my kids agreed, which I was shocked because my kids were young, and I thought for sure they were going to be toured, but they didn't. So I was offered a uh, six-month relocation package that I could live in an apartment, and they would cover the expense of the apartment. I could go home on the weekends until we finally relocated, but the plan was to relocate full full time. So I took the I took the job, and I took on an opportunity with this company to do something they hadn't done in years. And that is take this small sales team and show them how to run a sales track and to successfully get people involved in their franchise system. Uh, Had some success with that. Matter of fact, things were going well, so I thought. Until one day, my boss, person I relocated there for, person I had listed my home for, my home is still listed in Dallas. It hasn't sold. Um, and I would go back home every Friday. He tells me on the way out, I need you to next week take me to the airport and just drop me at the airport. I'm taking a trip. And when he told me where he was going and who he was going to see, you knew. I knew. Yeah. I knew right then. So I stopped him and said, you can't go anywhere. I mean, you got to understand. I haven't been here two months yet. 
my house is for sale. My family's ready to come here and you're ready to go. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. I'm just going to go have a conversation. Hey, we know how those conversations go. Yeah. 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 So, so fast forward. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward, he decided to go. And I knew shortly after he left, I would be offered an opportunity to leave. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a good way to put it. So uh, <laughs> I exercised that opportunity. And, and I, was in a, I was in a real, uh, uh, I mean, I think I was in a real uh, depressed temporary state. I mean, I, I, I just remember being at my desk and all of a sudden you see everything that you're obligated to and people who are depending on, you just yeah. see that flash before you. And I began to look out of the window and I forget, you know, I looked out, we had a big picture one, I had a great third floor office and I had this beautiful picture, this beautiful window and I looked out and it began to snow. And I'll never forget, you know, we see snow here in Texas, but in this state, it was snowing so heavily. It's like the snowflakes were were plates and they were just oh, big wow. and they began to settle. And I am, the more snowflakes I saw, the more I got depressed. And I'm at my desk saying, Lord, why am I here? Why do you have me in this situation? Yeah. And I get a call. My phone rings. I answered the phone and it's a franchise attorney who I'd worked with at the previous franchise concept. And he began to tell me a few things that I really need to know. He said, well, you know, Tom is leaving. I yeah. said, yes, sir. I know that. He <laughs> said, you know, you're going to be off an opportunity to leave shortly after he does. I said, well, thank you for the good news. I mean, if that's all you have to say, I think we can hang up. <laughs> and, uh, he said, no, the reason I'm calling is um, have something you may want to consider. He said, there's a guy who has been um, really uh, approaching me and talking with me about franchising his concept. And he has this concept that specializes in chicken wings. And he truly believes that chicken wings can one day be the center of the plate opportunity. And I said, really? I said, so what's the problem? He said, really, I'll just level with you, Cal. He said, the guy's more trouble than he's worth. <laughs> He said, he's more trouble than he's worth for me. all entrepreneurs are <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably so. Yeah. He said, the guy's <laughs> more difficult. trouble than he's worth. He said, but I, I, I told the guy. He said, you know, I'll consider it on one condition. And that is he get the right franchise guy. He asked me if I knew one, and I immediately thought, thought of you. Awesome. Wow. I immediately thought of you. And that's how we got together. I think that just speaks to the franchising industry and how intertwined it is and how many people know each other and how many opportunities there are to, um, you know, diversify, maybe work with different brands because you meet people through the International Franchise Association or through franchise conferences or what have you. Right. And once you are in kind of engaged in franchising, it's really easy to make changes in your career, but still stay in this, still stay in your lane and still stay in the franchising world. So I just think that's a great story that this attorney that knew you called you Absolutely. to be involved in taking this chicken wing concept to a franchise. So tell us, more so, I'm assuming obviously that there was a job you were able to take, and absolutely, are you going to share the name of this wing franchise with us? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? The concept, the wing concept, and that we're referring to is called Wingstop. 
Yeah. Very few people knew the name Wingstop in 1997. Mm. However, public offering 2015, 2,000 plus stores now, it's a household word. Yeah. But our beginnings were humble to say the least. Well, and look at all the other wing places now, too. Absolutely. Right? Yes. So um, so you, I mean, you helped from the very beginning, help them with their, what we call today, the franchise disclosure document. It was called something else back then. That's how long ago it was. But you brought on all the people, you found the lending, and then you personally sold the first 10 franchises, right? Yes. Yes. My job initially was to uh, do all of those things, yeah. uh, help put the infrastructure together. And keep in mind, the corporate office then was a sum total of three. Yeah. And I was number three. You wow. had the principal who underwrote the venture. It was his concept. It was his dream. There was another individual who was just a, a, a genius in developing the sauce and the seasonings. Mm. And I was the franchise guy. I was the guy that could take this concept and systemize this and make it duplicatable. And that's why I was there. So we had the offering complete. Now the biggest challenge is let's find somebody who's interested to buy this thing. Who's going to be number one? Who's going to right? be number yes. one? That's yes. the hardest franchise yes. to sell, It absolutely right? is. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So in my quest for funding, I reached out to a friend of mine in a lending business. Mm -hmm. And as we were getting caught up, one of the questions that's very common is, tell me what you're up to these days. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I said, listen, I got this great concept. If you're ever in Garland, Texas, come out and I'll buy you lunch. And I want you to try this food. It's, it's, it's incredible. I said, but right now, I need someone who will take a chance and finance this concept for a potential franchisee. And that's when she mentioned, she said, I have a friend who's a downsized school teacher. And she lives in Louisville. And she had mentioned getting involved in franchising. Instantly, the salesperson in me said, fantastic. What's her name? What's her name <laughs> and what's her number? <laughs> and at that point, we stopped talking about lending. And I want to know, who else do you have? Okay. Uh, exactly. <laughs> do you have another lead? Is there somebody else we can talk to? Well, fast forward, uh, called that young lady, brought, brought her in. She fell in love with the concept. She saw the vision immediately. Yeah. And we began to uh, embark upon franchisee number one. Nice. And number one led to two, three. And as we were going through this process of bringing on new franchisees, I was so excited. And to this day, I'm still so excited about this concept because it it, it had and it has all the components of a successful franchise system. I knew in 97 when I saw it that it was duplicatable. Mm -hmm. I knew it would be successful. I even had some idea of where it would be a real home run if you had the right location. I knew of several markets in my area. And um, we just started. And I in the process of selling these franchises, I knew I wanted to get in business for myself. Some three, four years earlier, I had um, I'd heard a sermon in church that spoke about entrepreneurship. And I knew then that I was going to do something. I didn't know what. I was in a real estate business, like I shared with you ladies. I was traveling a lot, and I thought it was going to be real estate. 
So my church offered training on how to write a business plan, how to find lenders. I went through all that, about an eight, six, eight, ten week course. Wow. You know, I did all of that. And I thought I could get this first concept going and it didn't work. So I went on supporting my family. And now here's this opportunity Wingstop that I'm privileged to help develop. I know it intimately Mm -hmm. and it made sense to me. You guys ever been involved in something and you just know it's the right thing? Yes. You know what I'm referring to, right? Yes, yes yeah. absolutely. I'm in the right place. I'm in the right place. Yeah. I just knew this thing was right. Matter of fact, when I went to talk with the owner for the very first time in the little 1140 square foot strip center restaurant, the only wing stop in existence at that time, I opened the door and it's as if the place had a halo around it. Wow. I just knew it was something special. And keep in mind, coming from a guy that eat at a restaurant every day in my last life, mm. restaurants was probably one of the most least desirable places I wanted to be. Right. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. Now I'm walking to the door of this restaurant and it's just an aha moment. You just hear it. You feel it. And I knew it was something special. So working there and putting that program, that system together. Every, every day was a joy. Matter of fact, I enjoyed it so much. I even worked there on the weekends. Several wow. weekends, I would go in and, and work the front of the house. I would look at the guy's prep. I would come back at night closing, and I would see, you know, the dark side of a business owner. Mm. That is what it actually looks like to be on the northbound end of a southbound mop. That's yeah, a different story. It just scare you away. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. And, you know, and that's really, that's really a different world for a corporate guy. Yeah. For sure. You know, a corporate guy like me. But so, all that hard work, but you were sleeping in your own bed. Absolutely. It was your choice Absolutely. to do that. Absolutely. And you believed in it so much that you became a franchisee yourself. Absolutely. In the process of selling franchises, I uh, I acquired store number five. And store number five opened, and um, it's just amazing because, you know, in business school— we're learned, we're taught, and we learn to, you know, maybe first year, expect to be profitable. Uh, if you're profitable after your first year, great. Mm-hmm. But maybe year two, three, four, you know, give the business time to ramp up and scale. Uh, my store, number five, was profitable the second week. Wow. That is amazing. It wow. was amazing with an unknown concept. Yeah. Now, we did a lot. I did a lot to soften the market. So wait, I have a question. Yes. Was this what we call a semi-absentee opportunity, or did you have to walk away from your job in franchise development and give up that salary to open this store? Well, I did both. You did both. I did both. Because the unique thing about the concept then, Uh one of the things that made it so attractive, the hours of operation were from 4 to midnight, Monday through Thursday. Oh. Okay. So we didn't have a lunch day part. I see. And, and you weren't open on the weekends. And yes, we were. Okay. And on the weekends, however, we're open we were open from eleven AM until midnight. Okay. So what I was able to do was to remain as the franchisor gotcha. in the day. I would get there by seven thirty in the morning. I'd drop my kids off and I would come straight to work. I'd I'd unlock and the my office then was the six top of the of the restaurant. And we literally had a uh, about a 50-foot phone cord that we bought. It's kind of like a Green Acres moment. We plugged the phone cord up. That's awesome. Yeah. Out the window. <laughs> Out the window, yeah, onto the telephone pole. You know how that was. 
<laughs> and we run the court all the way to the sixth stop. Green Acres moment. Nobody yeah. even no, Green no, Acres. Nobody said a lot of things, hey, and nobody has a clue. Well, Linda's going to have a hard time with this, aren't they? <laughs> Sorry again. You guys are about to edit this thing. Okay, okay. I do apologize. You know, that's awesome. Can't help it if you're old. I mean, you know, so. hey, you are full of wisdom, and but, we love hearing your story. So, how many? Units did you ha- have at ultimately. one time? Ultimately, I I built I built eleven units. Eleven units. Right, I built 11, 11 units and uh, ran those units, you know, successfully. Even had a unit out of state, and I did the entrepreneur thing. I, you know, by this time I had divested from corporate. Right. I'm a full time entrepreneur now. I'm running my own payroll. I'm doing what entrepreneurs do. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling all the joys and the pains of entrepreneurship, and the brand is growing, and the brand is growing like crazy. And it's exciting, and I'm loving every minute of it. The other thing, you know, part of your story is we talk about this a lot because you know this market, right? In Dallas, concepts sell out so quickly. Everything moves so quickly here that a lot of the inventory that's available is emerging, like you're talking about, right? Right. So a lot of our listeners that are going to be interested in franchising are going to be, have to most likely go with something that's more emerging. But the beauty about, you know, there's there's pros and cons to everything. The beauty about going with an emerging brand like you did, number five, now you've got 11, but you got to be a part of that growth. And there's equity in that, right? Absolutely. See, if you're there at the beginning, you can participate in all the potential appreciation. Mm-hmm. As the grand, as the brand grows, you grow. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what we experienced. And also, you get a chance to get in while the unit economics are at their best. Concepts as they grow don't get any less expensive. Right. To construct. Right. They get more expensive. Yes. Matter of fact, the beauty of Wingstop is that we always position it to be seen from an operator standpoint. Thank goodness the founder is an operator, was an operator, and he spent your money as if it was his money. Nice. So it was very affordable. It was very affordable. Matter of fact, I think, and I'll throw this number out, I think I spent less than $75,000 to build my first store. You know, store that now is probably doing three and a half, four million dollars in volume. In chicken wings. And chicken chicken wings. And chicken wings. Now, yeah, and I just think about what you said about, you know, oh, we had this idea about these wings. And to the comment of an emerging brand, you know, every brand has to start somewhere. And so it's just all a matter of having the wherewithal, the risk tolerance to decide if you want to. Be yeah, and believing in, in the those beginning, founders and, and believing in right. the culture because the culture right. is a right. big part of it. So that was a twenty-six year run, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And so, do you own those uh, locations now? No, right now I don't own any locations. Had an opportunity last year to totally divest. Uh, my stores were acquired by the corporate office, and uh, they allowed me an opportunity to go and do something else. So what? Yeah. What do you do now? Tell us how you're doing now. Yes. Well, what I'm doing now, multiple things. I, I'm, 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 uh, I'll always be a student of franchising. I just believe in franchising. I've seen the effect of franchising. I know that franchising can change an individual's life. Mm-hmm. I'm a witness. Yeah. And if you can change an individual's life, you can change their family. Change the family, you can affect the city. Affect the city, Roxanne, I've seen you affect the state. 
respect the state, you know, it's endless. Right. It's endless. Uh, right now, I am doing several things. I work uh, with a good friend of mine that's been appointed by the mayor, Eric Johnson of Dallas, as the impact ambassador. And he has um, the responsibility of taking this initiative called the Mayor's Franchise Initiative forward. What that is, to make a long story short, is where we look at small businesses in the underdesired areas, underutilized areas, and we look at how we can help those small businesses scale using the business model of franchising. So that's kept us quite busy. So I'm still in franchising. I'm just doing it at a much higher level of passion because I'm helping those right now that just don't know how to help themselves. And that's 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 real rewarding to change their lives and ultimately change their families. Absolutely. You're really focusing on those underserved areas. Absolutely. That's where our focus is. Even though it's a Dallas franchise initiative, we look at these markets that just don't have the resources. Right. And what we find is that it's not this because it's a lack of passion. These operators in all forms need to be retail level, service level. They're passionate about it. They're pouring their heart and soul into these businesses. The greatest challenge that I've found is there's a tremendous information deficit. Mm -hmm. You see, there are several things about the entrepreneur. I mean, you know what you know. You know what you think you know. What you don't know, however, is what you just don't know. Right. 100%. We say that all the time. time. Mm -hmm. And it's this information deficit. That's the difference between being marginally successful and extremely successful. Or being just trapped inside your four walls working every day, trying to figure out how you're going to stay versus being able to be work outside those four walls and take that business and scale it. It's the information. Well, what we do is we bring the information and we bring the resources and the team to help move that concept forward. That's the franchise initiative. That's awesome. And, and, you know, what you're explaining that we talk about a lot is a lot of entrepreneurs are so stuck working in their business that they can't work on their business. And that's where that education and support comes in. So, um, Yeah, that's an amazing program. We can say his name, Carlos White. That's who you're working with. He's been a guest on our podcast because he also helps our clients with their franchise agreement reviews. Yeah, so he's he's, been very helpful to us with our clients. What else are you doing? I know you're you've you know you've got some extra time on your hands. So I think you have a consulting business as well. Sure, I have a consulting business Mm -hmm. where I consult entrepreneurs and look at what their goals and objective are and see if I can help them. Reach reach their their goals. Uh, we're we're doing we're doing that. We are looking at maybe some opportunities in uh, public speaking. Interesting enough, I spoke at a few times about entrepreneurship and franchising, and now I'm getting requests to speak here, speak there. And Be I on wonder, our podcast. Oh, and I'm on the right. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and I kind of wonder if their requests are going to stay the same when they become fee based. Right now, they're pro bono. <laughs> Well, thank, thank you for um, being kind enough to not yes. charge us, Calvin, because no, we should pay you. No. Um, yes, we but, should. But you, this no. wealth of knowledge um, is available also to larger companies, right? You've you've learned a lot in your career. You've grown people. I mean, leadership, right? It's there's a lot to um, managing all those employees and all the lessons. So, 
If someone were to come to you and say, hey, Calvin, what's the one piece of advice you would give me if I wanted to own a business or buy a franchise? Is there one thing that you could recommend? Absolutely. Absolutely. The one thing would be very simply do it. Do it. Okay. Do it. I mean, it's, 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 uh, I know it sounds easy, but you look at your obstacles, and one obstacle is the uncertainty. That's people deal with that. Uncertainty turns into fear. Yes. Yes. Fear turns into a roadblock. Yes. And it will and it will just it will just stop you. Yes. I would say do it. And I tell many entrepreneurs and potential entrepreneurs, if you look at the worst case scenario, what's the worst thing that would happen, Roxanne, if you had this concept, you took this chance and it didn't work? What's the worst thing that would happen today? You know what most people say? What? I'd have to go back to my job. Well, if the worst thing that would happen is what you're doing already, <laughs> then you're living the worst days of your life today, and you don't even know it. Wow. Stop okay, that's living profound. The worst days. That is very that profound. That is very profound. Stop living the worst days. Let's live the best days. From a man who did it. Absolutely. That is just, we can't top that. So we are. (laughs) We're done. We're done. That's right. We're done. Calvin, you, as we, Roxanne already alluded to, are such a wealth of knowledge. If anyone wanted to seek your consulting services, how would they reach you? Absolutely. My, uh, you can reach me by cell. My cell phone number is 469-767-8328. Or you can email me. Golden, my last name, G-O-L-D-N, the number 3030 Calvin, C-A-L-V-I-N, at att.net. Wonderful. All right. We are so grateful for you taking time out of your busy schedule, your semi-retirement, but yet (laughs) doing a lot of volunteering and uh, consulting. We are really grateful for you sharing your knowledge with us and our listeners. Um, We are, again, I am Sarah Wasco, my colleague, Roxanne Rapsky. I'm Sarah, um, S-A-R-A, W-A-S-K-O-W, Roxanne Rapsky, R-A-P-S-K. Please look for us on LinkedIn. We are very active there. Would love to connect with you. You can also find our podcast on our YouTube channel, which is FranNet of Dallas, Fort Worth, and Oklahoma, or anywhere where you like to stream your podcast. So thank you so much for joining us today and have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye.